Eventually, I got hired by magazines to start doing uh, small editorial projects. And when one I graduated, I started working as a chemist. And uh, at some point, one big commercial client showed up, offering me a contract, a one-year contract, which you know each project that I shot with them was going to be eight times my salary as a chemist. Wow! So it wasn't that difficult at all to <laughs> yeah. just say. The hell with this, you know. I, I will find. I have eight months to find my new gig, and uh, it wasn't that late. You know, things were you know piling up. I think especially because the, the the drive that I had in my head, the emotion, the thrill of every project that I was shooting. Welcome to the Voyage Miami podcast, where we interview some of the brightest and most interesting entrepreneurs, artists, and creatives from in and around the Miami area and ask them about their lives, careers, and the values and principles that drive them. I'm Alex Freeman, and on the show today, you'll meet Jorge Parra, a fine art photographer and NFT expert. Jorge is also a Voyage content partner. Content partners help Voyage in so many ways, from spreading the word about the work that we do, sponsoring our mission, and collaborating with us on content like this. In our conversation, Jorge and I dive into the world of NFTs and how artists should be and could be engaging with that world. Uh, it was really fascinating for me to learn more about this this piece of the art world that I don't know much about, and I think you're going to find it just as interesting. Let's get to the conversation. Jorge, thanks so much for joining us on the show today. Welcome and thank you. So, to get to get us started, could you just tell us a little bit about about you and the kind of work that that you're doing now, um, both as a photographer and across other spaces? Yes. Okay. So uh, I started my career as a photographer many years ago. I used to be a chemist. Uh, I work in in research and different uh, interesting projects in chemistry. Uh, eventually, I left my life as a chemist almost overnight. And photography was my call, period, that simple. I, I switched completely into commercial photography and I started working on my fine art projects almost at the same time. Uh, I did some exhibitions. So uh, that all happened in Venezuela, in my country of origin. Uh, you know, fast forward in 2005, we relocated to the US. Uh, knowing the situation in my country, it was gonna get very nasty. Uh, I moved with my family. And restarted my my career here. It's a total total restarting. Yeah, every all the fame and name and reputation I had back there didn't work for nothing. I was you know a zero. Started from scratch basically. Uh, now uh, a new reinvention of my career is happening with the appearance of the NFT marketplaces uh, as a new uh, way to showcase the work and new experiences in terms of digital work which is different from the standard gallery materials. And that's basically what's going on at this moment with me. Wow, wow. Okay, so um, I, I definitely want to make sure we get to the the NFTs, but uh, two, two massive transitions that I want to ask you about there. So the first one, I want to I want to hear more about, about that transition from being a chemist to diving into photography full-time. I mean, what was that moment like for you what was the what was the what was the total impetus to to make that shift and then how did you make it happen well uh, i think that if, if by if you're lucky uh to find what you like early that's when you find you know bright careers from you know 
young people who get you know in along their way in a very fast uh, lane. Uh, in my case, it was totally different. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what, where to go. Actually, I was reading, uh, you know, classical books of alchemy and occult knowledge uh, when I was a teenager. And then the alchemy factor was what brought my attention and made me think that maybe chemistry was my career. <laughs> <But> <laughs> eventually, it was just kind of a, a joke of life. You know, I just I, I chose chemistry. And well, once I got into the, 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 the studies, I decided to finish. Uh, it was a disappointing process internally because it had nothing to do with alchemy and all the mystery and beauty you know, surrounding those interesting books. So uh, it, it put me you know, at odds with what I was doing. And then uh, in the last years of college, I started taking pictures and you know, I just grabbed a camera and I started taking pictures of my friends and, you know, the, the classical landscapes, you know, uh, pictures of everything. That's a classical, you know, when your eye is beginning to work, you take pictures of everything, uh, trying to find out what is it that you like the most. That's basically the, the, the basic process to train your eye. And uh, eventually I got hired by magazines to start doing uh, small editorial projects. And when one I graduated, I, I started working as a chemist. Uh, and uh, at some point, one big commercial client showed up offering me a contract, a one-year contract, which, you know, each project that I shot with them was going to be eight times my salary as a chemist. Wow. So it wasn't that difficult at all to <laughs> <Yeah>. just say, <laughs> the hell with this, you know, I, I will find, I have eight months to find my new gig. And uh, it wasn't that late, you know, things were you know piling up. I think especially because the, the, the drive that I had in my head, the emotion, the thrill of every project that I was shooting, you know, th th that br brought more stuff uh, in the same direction. So uh, in terms of uh, winnings and losings, uh, really my, my marriage, my first marriage got dissolved because of it. Basically, the change of career was a, a, a trauma. Um, I, you, you have to measure, you know, the things that you're going to earn compared to the things that you're going to lose in, in when you're making those decisions. But my decision was clear. I mean, I, I was so detached from my work as a chemist because this appointing process kept growing in time. Uh, and then I found this new new me, and I was traveling and going you know, all over the place. So it, was, uh, it was easy for me to make the decision. Not everybody, it's not for everybody, I can tell. Yeah. And then so so you make that big transition it feels, uh, you know, when you when you lay it out like that, it feels it feels like it was a pretty easy, easy call. Um, but then you you move from uh, Venezuela to the United States. And so what is what is that transition like for you? And what is that process of of starting over in a new country? That's another big bump in life. Yeah. I say that I have lived two lives in this one already, and probably I'm entering the third life. But uh, the, the transition was more of a tactical or strategical decision, knowing uh, the country was going to get worse. If you know a bit about Venezuela, you know, it's a, it's a total mess at this point. Uh, all my friends who were telling me that I was crazy, that what, what are you going to do in the States? Nobody knows you there, blah, blah, blah. Uh, they eventually have moved to the States or to Spain or Chile. You know, they have left the country many years after I did uh, because uh, I, I think I saw it ahead of them. And I wanted, I already had a daughter 
that I wanted her to have a different education, a different life. My wife uh, is just an amazing woman. Uh, that you know the the limitations that we would we were going to be exposed to uh, staying there uh, were going to be saddening and depressing, you know, to the extremes. So uh, with my record as a, as an art photographer, as a commercial photographer, with all my my uh, references, international publications, the whole thing that I had. I got all the credentials to move to the U.S. as a, as a artist with the O visa, and eventually that led me to my you know citizenship and the whole thing through the years. So it, it was more like a tactical or strategical process, uh, and I had it in mind because I knew it, that things were not going to get any better. Mm. So uh, I I just you know we just did it. It's that it's that balancing act again of what are you going to lose versus what are you going to gain and. Uh, how did you how did you get yourself uh, your business up up off the ground in the United States and get get restarted as a photographer? What was that like for you? Well, it, it was and it still is hard. You know, it's a it's, it's a different market. It's a different way of approaching things, uh, and the, um, uh, the the opportunities are there more than anywhere else. Uh, you know, I, I don't I don't see anybody thinking on leaving the U.S. <laughs> at any moment, you know, going where? That's the question. So uh, the, the um, I brought enough credentials and enough experience so people would know, people could tell that I was in, in a position to resolve and, and execute uh, as a natural thing uh, any size of projects that I was going to be hired to. Uh, I have approached advertising agencies, uh, direct clients. Uh, I have worked projects of my own. I kept working on my personal projects and doing uh, many gallery exhibitions here. Uh, so, uh, you know, I just, I just uh, opened up my, my range of activities uh, so I could, you know, uh, enjoy the, the opportunities that the, the, the country offers here us. I also started doing educational um, trainings, workshops, private workshops for people, you know, just sharing my, my, knowledge and my experience with others so they can really learn something you know cool about that uh, I'm, a, I'm a self-taught photographer i had to knock my head against the walls so many times learning things on my own uh it, you know having me teaching you it's a you know a way to save years of you know poor experiences to to you know to improve your skills uh so well it, uh, it, between commercial projects education personal projects and i have my hands full yeah, it sounds like it. And then you made mention uh, earlier that you're moving into this this new phase with uh, NFTs. So I guess just to NFT certainly a, a, a phrase that has been thrown around um, by a lot of people. And I think a lot of people have heard it, but don't necessarily know what it means. So could you give us a before we dive into how you're using NFTs and how you think artists can and should be using them? Um, can you give us kind of like a high level understanding of of just what they are sure no problem uh, let's the nft the, the 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 acronym stands for non-fungible tokens the idea is is um is a very powerful concept that indicates that every item that is created as an nft is completely unique is not reproducible nobody can copy it nobody can duplicate it so there is a, a, a factor of originality in in that item that you're buying something unique 
That's basically the, the basic concept. It applies to many different things, not only images. You can use it, for example, from the game industry. You must remember the word token. There, there, there are so many tokens that you can earn while you're playing and stuff. And now there are tokens. Normal tokens are fungible. All are the same. You can grab, you know, 10 uh, $1 bills and all of them are interchangeable. $1 bill, you know, the one I give you is different than the one that you gave to me two days ago, but they are fungible. They are completely interchangeable. Uh, and then uh, the idea is that when you move to the blockchain system, uh, which is a system of recording transactions, and then only one item with the, your char characteristics is recorded, is minted, then you are offering a factor of uniqueness, of originality to the person that is purchasing that item. That's basically it. Uh, the, the consequences of working on the blockchain and working on, on non-fungible tokens is that it can expand to many areas of business. Can can be, for example, even elections can be handled that way because the, your vote is completely unique. Nobody can trick, nobody can do tricks with this. It, it would be one of the finest way of maintaining clean elections all across the world. You can also have property titles for a house or a, you know, a, a terrain because somebody, that piece of land is unique so it's non-fungible. You cannot exchange, you know, your territory in, you know, in, in, in Atlanta to something in San Francisco. It's just every, every, every piece of land or every property is unique. So you could assign non-fungible properties to the titles. And then those records would be completely sealed in the sense of originality and uniqueness. So th there are many things in the business world, uh, financial world, and the art world that will benefit from the use of NFTs. At this point, it is so young. Everything is so emerging. We are like the pioneers. We are, and some people say that we are like the Marines who, you know, the first, the first group that lands and makes the roads and paves some spaces and set up a bathroom, you know, for people, the younger generation to come over and get into the new lands. So we're just starting up with all this. That's the reason there are not too many people involved. So then what is your vision for how artists should be taking advantage of, of this new frontier of NFTs? Uh, the cool thing about this is that um, as long as the, the originality of the artwork itself is completely useful and powerful, uh, then the originality of those re records as, as non-fungible tokens are creating uh, an entire new universe of visual art. Uh, what I'm trying to say with this is that uh, there is a, 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 let me say, how can I, can I say, it? there is a strong difference between what is being uploaded into the NFT marketplaces and the standard art available in museums and galleries. To begin with, it is not physical. Everything is digital. So it's an entire new generation of digital artists that are creating everything in digital systems and digital programs, in, 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 including artificial intelligence, intelligence programs, 
and uh, is completely opposite or different to what you have in the art world, which is, you know, paintings, statue, uh, sculpture, physical objects that have value that are also scarce, you know, like a, you know, how many paintings that I, I remember there must be about six paintings remaining from Da Vinci alive in different museums. Nobody can create a new Da Vinci. So there are only six of those. Mm. The value of those pieces is completely, you know, out of reach for anybody. Uh, and, and then, but it's a physical property. You have, a, you have something that you can hold in your hands that you can, you know, put it on a wall. This is all digital art. And then this is all this new generation of young digital collectors. They are not interested. They don't seem to be interested in the physical art from the galleries and museums. They are only interested in the, in the digital pieces in their smartphones or an iPad. It's incredible. It's super different. And so this is, this is being driven largely by the, the desire of collectors, or is this being driven by experimentation by artists? The artists are experimenting. The, 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 the cool thing, let's put it this way, this way. There is a situation here uh, in the, the, the way the, the limitations, the amount of artists that can get access to a gallery show uh, is very tiny, and it's even smaller for access to museum exhibitions. So this is a, a very close market, very tight. Uh, they, they, they use their own rules. And, uh, you know, if you qualify, if a gallery, you know, is willing to, to work around with you, you establish a long-term relationship with them, with contracts, and, you know, it, it will, it can eventually happen that you become a recognized artist uh, through the gallery representation and stuff. But it's limited to a very small amount of artists uh, that, you know, that, that go through. Instead, the NFT marketplaces are open to almost everyone. It's a big difference in, in the democratic aspects of the, mm-hmm. of, the, of, the, of the concept. So, of course, there are plenty of, of work that has little merit, let's say, but there's an, an amazing array of beautiful, incredible artists that are doing crazy stuff all in the digital realm that is something it would not be visible any in any other way. The NFT marketplaces is like a, a new venue, as a new territory, uh, and you know you may there are a few uh, well-known artists that have their galleries things in real life in IRL, and they are also doing great in the NFT marketplaces. But in general, the larger amount of uh, well-known and, and amazing uh, artists in the NFT marketplaces are people that nobody knew before. This, this has been ongoing for the last two, three years. Uh, the first NFTs recorded in history date back from 2014. They're, those were the super avant-garde, you know, uh, artists who were playing with those digital things. But eventually it was more like 2019, 2020, when things began to take shape and the marketplaces begin to show up. And then, uh, at, you know, in, in a couple of years, it's been an explosion of art moving around in all those marketplaces. It's incredible. You will see many unusual and beautiful things, as well as scary, mysterious, weird. There's a lot of different uh, art trends in the NFT marketplaces. And how is this influencing the, the kind of work that, that you're making? It, it influences you all the time because you see how the younger generations are thinking. And this is something interesting and worth mentioning. 
let me let me try to put it in briefly because it's important but relevant uh, might be long the video game um universe was so much bigger than so many people thought about it's uh, the influence from the video game industry, the graphics, the aesthetics, the colors, the dynamics of the, the creations in the video game world uh, uh, has affected the art world in many ways that a lot of people just didn't consider. I myself, for example, I, I remember with my first daughter, we I, I taught her some video games and after like a year or so, she was so efficient and proficient, you know, defeating me in any game that I, I ended up, you know, giving up the, the game things. I, I didn't got addicted to it. Uh, she kept working on it. So today she's a professional game player, but uh, I, I just left it behind because it was uh, very advanced in terms of, you know, handling the, the thing. The process uh, uh, of just leaving aside the video game affected me in the sense that I never put more attention to what was going on in the video uh, world, the video game world. And it's incredible the amount of things that they have done. When when we met here in, in NFT Miami, one of those conferences a couple of years ago, there was a, a young guy from New Zealand uh, and he was explaining, for example, that there are so many video games that nobody else knew except in the South Asian areas. I mean, they if they have 30 million players in India, 40 million players in China, and you know stuff like that, it's a huge crowd, but for them, it's only a tiny part of the population yeah. that are playing one specific game that nobody else knows about. So they developed so many different games. You know, when you're thinking about Fortnite and all those games that the American kids are playing, you know, completely, you know, uh, addicted to that. Those are the video games that made it internationally. But they, they, he mentions that back there in, in Southeast Asia, there were so many games that they never left the, the local markets. But we were talking about 150 million people playing them. So the aesthetics of this uh, video game industry advanced so fast that then when the NFTs were made visible, there were way a whole bunch of artists that were just using, importing, copying, and, 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 and developing images and artwork that has the impact and the influence of the video games. So that's very interesting to remember. Wow. Um, so Jorge, as our, as our time here kind of comes to a close, I just want to ask you, um, what haven't I asked you about that I should have asked you about? <laughs> well, you, you have done very concise uh, questions. Uh, what I feel that people, if people what would be interested in, in exploring more, uh, I have to mention that uh, all the NFTs, marketplaces, and all these digital worlds are all also linked to the cryptocurrencies markets. So uh, people need to learn a little bit about how to handle a digital wallet, uh, how to handle Ethereum. Uh, a few, uh, there are a few coins, specifically, you know, Solana, Ethereum, Tesos that are really in use in most of the marketplaces. And the the first step would be to open up with you know ten dollars, fifteen dollars, whatever you have. Uh, a digital wallet in, in places like Coinbase or Nexus, whatever, uh, and uh, start from there. Then you can join, visit the marketplaces. Usually the marketplaces will invite you to log in 
through a, through your digital wallet and ex start you know experimenting browsing the the websites are huge you can spend days in only one exploring the different um, uh, art the visual arts that you will find from photography to movies to video animation CGI artificial intelligence is making wonders I'm telling you there's going to be an entire discussion about artificial intelligence soon because there are many crazy creations happening there with the new the new apps uh, so uh, it's um, uh, the educational process is important for everybody. That's what I would end up saying. Uh, train yourself, get a little education, do your own research, uh, get your first digital wallet, and explore. You know the different the different uh, marketplaces like OpenSea, Known Origin, Foundation, uh, Object. There are many super rare. It's, it's, there are very very interesting places to visit, and you will spend days and days. Uh, uh, hooked to those places. Other way, one simple way to get along and get a little knowledge about the NFT marketplaces is if you connect like your Twitter account and you start using hashtags like and hashtag NFT and stuff like that, and you begin to follow different accounts and you would see a flow of images running through your Twitter account every day. And uh, besides, you know, going to the exchanges and kind of on Twitter, are there any other resources that someone should go to to like really dive in and learn more? Well, the most, the, the deepest one is Discord, which is an, a, another social media application. It is more complex. So if people are starting to, to deal with the NFTs ideas and, and getting some general knowledge, there are many, uh, actually the, the exchanges themselves like crypto.com, Coinbase, they all, they have a very large amounts of uh, tutorials and information available. So you want, you can start, you know, getting the, 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 the basics of all this uh, uh, world, this different universe that is coming up. Uh, we didn't even chance to talk about the metaverses, which is a, a, an entire, you know, theme to talk about. So uh, this is, it requires a little bit of, you know, self-education. Just do your own research. And, and, and check it out because there is a lot to, to understand. And once you get it, you're going to be entering the future, which is already here. Wow. And uh, where should people go that want to learn more about you and the work you're doing? Well, uh, my, my persona in, in the NFT marketplaces is called Fine Art Crypto with K, Fine Art Crypto. And that's uh, everything about me in the Twitter, Discord, ev everywhere, uh, Instagram, you will find uh, you will find me as Fine Art Crypto. And as a commercial photographer, people already know you could find me as Jorge Parra Photography. That's basically it. It's like two different two different people. Uh, actually, the, the persona, the Fine Art Crypto, is a challenge I set up myself to start from scratch in the NFT marketplace, as, as I am already used to start from scratch. <laughs> so I said, well, one more time. Why not one more time? Jorge Parra, it's been so great chatting with you and looking forward to, to catching up with you as the, as the metaverse continues to develop. Maybe we'll do an interview in the metaverse next time. Anytime. Anytime.